0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz.
1: And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our vision of life, liberty, property, for what matters in the way it matters at the time it matters. Here at CR Podcast, this is your host, Daniel Horowitz. Back here today, Blaze Media. Finally, Friday, it's been a long week. Friday the 13th. And it truly is a horror show. We never could have imagined so quickly in our lifetimes we would be living through what we are today, where the greatest pride of America, the military, is nothing but a woke and broke leftist communist organ worse than Hollywood. And this is really what I want to talk about today, is how do we cope with the greatest asset of a country being turned into a maggot-infested carcass. What do we do about it? So we're going to have a special guest coming up. But first, I just want to note, obviously everyone's asking, oh, do you think the Democrats and the deep state are finally getting rid of Biden and appointing a special counsel with the whole uh, you know, classified document scandal that turns out he had documents in several locations? And I don't know, and I frankly don't really care, because it doesn't matter, they're gonna do what they do. They're gonna always fight for their cause, as strategically and as effectively, indefatigably, as strongly as they can. But what is it that we stand for? It's funny, conservative talk radio wouldn't know how to wipe their rear ends if the Democrats and the media wouldn't exist. Whereas, if you could tell from the shows we've done this week, you know, yesterday we did a terrific show about. State legislatures and what we can do, the issues we should push, the strategies we should forge. You know, it, it's a matter of us taking the opportunities we need. These are the debates we need now. What are the strategies and the issues we're going to push? So that's going to continue to be my focus. If we would just demonstrate to the American people on the critical issues of our time, how the government is harming them and exactly what we would do about it and then use the leverage to force both the messaging and policy, that's the best we can do. I don't know what the outcome would be, but I would know that we left everything or left nothing on the table. So that's the thing. We need to constantly be thinking about what we can do and fighting them on our landscape. So then they would have to oppose our strong issues. We need to start making standards to make Republicans live up to those standards. I don't know about but the Democrats and but Biden. Either way, whether it's him or they replace him with someone, we're going to have to confront that. But with with a vision that we believe in. But if you don't hold Republicans to it, they're going to continue stabbing you in the back. Look at how China has become cool. It's become cool to oppose China. But it took years to get Republicans there. It took years to get them there on the border. It took three years to get them even to the minimal place they are in COVID now. We can't continue to be behind too little too late. We have to get ahead of the curve. Not flatten the curve or be flattened by it. We need to get ahead of it. And right away, as soon as we have an idea, make that the standard among Republicans. So more on this after our sponsor. Folks, many of you... Actually, do something for a living, unlike myself, and you run a small business. Everyone knows that regulatory compliance, HR compliance, in particular, uh, you know, issues like hiring and firing and labor stuff. It's it's a pain, and you need a dedicated HR manager, which usually could cost seventy to ninety thousand dollars. How about if I told you I can get you a designated HR manager from Bambi, starting at just ninety nine bucks a month? Uh, You get a specific person. So it's not just a call-in center that is attached to your organization, available by phone, email, real-time chat from onboarding to terminations. So everything can run smoothly and you could stay compliant with the ever-officious bureaucracy. Um, And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate your important HR practices like training, feedback, um, and again, all your policies. So this is something that is very important. They're U.S.-based, so it's not some Indian on the phone. And again, what is it, $12,000 a year? Or not $12,000, I'm sorry, $1,200. That's crazy. $99 bucks a month takes this off your plate so you could run your business. Go to Bambi.com right now and type in conservative review under the podcast button where you know they say where you heard about this. You sign up, and it really helps the show. It helps you. That's B-A-M-B-E-E.com. Type in conservative review. You did not start your business for government nonsense. And speaking of which, I still believe that in order to even up the score on COVID, we need businesses under, you know, several hundred employees should get exempt from a number of regulations to even the score with the cartel. Um, And normally, you know, principally, we don't like picking winners and losers, but they picked winners, so we need to pick it back and 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 this is this is part of the debate that i think we need to have that you know we're talking about the military so the big news story is everyone knows that republicans are going to have leverage to remake government not just cut spending in the abstract but to crush the woke and broke weaponized bureaucracies that destroy our lives they're going to have leverage on that the debt ceiling and the next cr which is until September 30th. So Kevin McCarthy made a simple, very modest promise to conservatives that they're going to freeze spending at FY 2022 levels. You know, like not Bush era levels, not Reagan era levels, not even Obama level era levels, not Trump, but as far as it was post-COVID FY 2022. And yet they're all going crazy. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's going to lead to military cuts. And, and like we're saying, they're all for f- throwing endless sums at a woke and broke military without fixing it and without providing a strategic vision for what the military should be and shouldn't be. And if you actually did that, you would see that you don't need to spend more money. And again, no one's, no one's advocating that you're going to go from $850 billion to $500 billion. We're just going to slow the rate of baseline increase. That's all it is. And yet, it's too much. So, they're all basically saying that we don't want to cut spending. It's not this, it's that. And then we get to that. No, it's not this, it's that. In other words, they don't want to cut anything. They don't want to cut anything. It's just yesterday I was putting out press releases for Tea Party candidates. You know, This is 13 years ago. We saw the biggest increase in spending ever under Obama's first year. We were shocked. I'll never forget. We're running about ten. Could you imagine ten trillion in debt? And here we are, thirty-one trillion. The level of dependency, Medicaid, um, food stamps, blow, blowing out anything we could have imagined in 2010. When that blew out our imagination. So Republicans are playing this game, and I want to read this to you from Congressional Quarterly. So, our buddy Russ Vogt, he was Trump's OMB director, he put out a budget blueprint, and he basically showed how, without even touching Medicare and Social Security, and without cutting the military, but just reshifting priorities and slowing the rate of increase, you could balance the budget off of cutting the welfare programs, the government employee pension stuff, we're making reforms that will save money and, and just c- taking a meat cleaver to the non-defense discretionary spending, which is all the bureaucracies that we hate. So they quote Arkansas Representative Steve Womack, this is what we have from Arkansas, senior appropriator and former budget chairman talks more like a Ryan Republican when he says discretionary programs aren't where the real money is. The whole notion that we're going to fix the fiscal trajectory of this country with food fights on discretionary budgets is intellectually dishonest because that's not where the problem is. The problem is on the mandatory side. It's entitlements. We are wasting a lot of time and effort if we're just going to focus on discretionary spending. So now, first of all, that's wrong for a number of reasons. So, so number one as we've noted, and, and I've said this before, I don't even care so much about balancing the budget anymore because, to me, the federal government is lost. It's an enemy. I don't care about fixing it. So it's not even so much the the the, the budgetary number. It's the policies. And what they don't realize is when you look at just, just the energy and environment sector, the amount they take out of the private economy and slow the growth of the economy – through their regulations, it's not just the spending. So, let's say the EPA costs I forget, $12 billion is how much we spend on the EPA, but it's not the $12 billion, it's that it, it takes out hundreds of billions from the economy in terms of the cost of living, jobs, um, you know, our, our entire energy sector. So it, it it matters a lot to our lives, a lot more than just the, the budgetary figure. In other words, let's say you have a, a food stamp program. So, I mean, aside from the cost of it, it's just, I mean, it creates dependency, but it's like, it's not that it destroys the economy. Whereas this stuff does do that. But then you think, all right, so then they'll go after mandatory, they'll go after the mandatory spending. No, Representative Earl Buddy Carter, who competed for the budget chairmanship before losing to Arrington, agrees that you can't take everything you have in discretionary, do away with it, and you still don't balance the budget. He said mandatory spending has to be addressed, but in a way that doesn't cut benefits for current retirees. The Dems are going to eat our lunch. They're going to run commercials saying we're trying to cut Social Security. Well, so then they're like, this is the game they play. It's The real money is in mandatory spending, but then we can't cut it, and that's why we are where we are. Oh, and then we can't cut the discretionary spending anyway, Because then we have to, you know, in order to make a deal with Democrats, that because we want increase in defense spending, so they're going to say you have to have an increase in non-defense spending. But the real answer is no. Shoot the military hostage, because it's broken anyway. And then mandatory, I'm going to talk about this more next week, it's not just Social Security and Medicare. That's half of it. They're the two largest expenditures, but there's the other half, which are the government pensions, and all the welfare programs, and Medicaid, and that should be dealt with. That's a little bit different. You know, politically. So, basically, they're admitting they have no intention on ever slowing the rate of record high baseline increases. So shut up. Stop lying to us. Stop using the term limited government. This is the fraud of the GOP, and everyone knows it. But I want to get back to the military. First, our... Special interview today is sponsored by Patriot Mobile. They offer service, the same service all three major networks offer. But here's the deal if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access the same service with Patriot Mobile. They're also offering a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you don't want to, you know, you're scared to switch over, you can switch back. If you want to fund the woke and broke AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile, you can do that. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer the best nationwide coverage. You can get the same service um, while actually having your money and peace of mind, knowing that your money is going towards preserving our God-given rights and freedoms. This new year, resolve to stop supporting the cartel that doesn't align with your values. Also, patriotmobile.com slash CR. That's the... Uh, URL, you have to go to patriotmobile.com slash CR, or you could call 972-PATRIOT and actually speak with an American, because they have a U.S.-based customer service team, and get free activation today with offer code CR. That's patriotmobile.com slash CR, or call 972-PATRIOT to join the movement today. So as we mentioned, the military has always been the linchpin to the budget. And it's not just the budgetary figure, but it's all of those policies that Republicans have perpetuated from every agency we don't like because we have to save the military. Except the problem is, the military is the most woke and broke of all, both internally destroying our soldiers, destroying the morale, the quality, the recruitment, the culture, everything about it, the readiness. But then also, I mean, DOD is behind a lot of the biomedical tyranny, the surveillance. So... The question is, can we even fix the military? This is the big question. Is it even salvageable at this point? And I wanted to do a deep dive into the state of play with the military today with a special guest that i have been meaning to have on last year. And now Tucker Carlson beat me to the punch. So I'll be... Be the second one here, Lieutenant Colonel Ivan Raclin. He's a former Green Beret. He served on and off for about 25 years in the military, as a private defense contractor, Texas National Guard. Um, worked at the Defense Intelligence Agency. He's also a constitutional lawyer. He was involved in intel, so he's really got his hands on the pulse of the military. He just left because you know, like our buddy Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers couldn't couldn't handle it anymore. Just the culture was terrible. But he's also been involved from a legal front with election fraud, January 6th, you name it. So this is a name you are going to hear a lot here on Sierra Podcast. But we're certainly happy to finally welcome him for the first time to the Blaze Media. Hey, Ivan, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. Thanks for having me, Daniel, on the show. Uh, Appreciate it. And so I am retired, and the reason why is, as you mentioned, it's in order for me to be able to push back even harder because now I have my full first amendment restored as a retired uh, officer to be able to push back against this uh, tyranny of the executive branch. Uh, I like to coin myself as the deep state marauder in order to conduct a law offense against all of these unconstitutional activities, not only in the department of defense, but writ large, the entire executive branch, uh, particularly for what they've done over the last couple of years. And I'm happy to be here to, to get folks uh, involved and interested and participating in what we can do to to be able to push back against the cultural shift in order to reset the department, uh, and again, as well as the entire federal U.S. government. So,
1: yeah, obviously your purview is very broad because your area of expertise, you remind me a lot of Chambers, you know, Unique being a Green Beret and a doctor, you're a Green Beret (laughs) constitutional lawyer.
0: Here's what I don't... Yeah, we're kind of that one-two punch as it applies to medical tyranny. It, I no, think. exactly.
1: And You've been involved <laughs> in that as well. And that really was well, pushed kind of both of you out, um, where I, I like to say you can carry or you must carry a mask on base, but you can't carry uh, a weapon on U.S. military bases. This is what our military has become. Here's my question to you. I'm just going to get straight to it.
0: No, it's an embarrassment. When you have an acting secretary like Austin wearing, you know, he's essentially the brand ambassador for all, all of these EUA products wearing the face toilet, probably (laughs) double face toileted, and then with the face shield, it just exhibits and exudes massive amounts of fear. He is a complete embarrassment, and we've lost all faith and confidence in our entire DOD leadership. That not only means acting Secretary Austin, but also General Milley for his for his unlawful behavior on January 6th, I'm not sure if we're going to get sure. into that.
1: Sure, no, and, and, and we better get into it at some point because you might be roped into the next 1,000 uh, indictments. But but my issue with the military is this.
0: For the First Amendment, yeah. yeah. About
1: <laughs> a decade ago, um, I started doing shows like this, having people retired from the military on, and already then – they were saying, "Look, you know, anyone over a lieutenant colonel is politicized beyond belief. They're all leftists. That's what you have to do in order to uh, make rank, especially to become a general." But then, what? Here's what what really shocked me about the military, and I want to get your comment on this. So, I never imagined that the military could go along with something as maniacal as dangerous as transgenderism in the military forget about even the culture and the values yeah
0: i call it mutilation promotion. Muti- mutilation i think that's but, but, the proper but forget term about
1: even the values behind it just just from a military readiness standpoint uh, the mental illness it's a danger to be handling handling munitions like that what's going on there but they went along with it under obama i was like mm-hmm. all right well they don't have guts to stand up to the pentagon the civilian leadership fine then we come to trump and he says, all right, well, we're going to terminate it, get rid of it. And they downright lay down on the tracks and fight it. So I'm looking at this and thinking, mm-hmm. how could we even fix the military with the, the personnel we have there, not just in civilian leadership, but in the military
0: itself? No, I mean, these are great questions. Uh, essentially, I think they have tacitly or maybe uh, you know, unwittingly complied with essentially this ideological subversion that I argue is most likely coming from advice by the Russians to the Chinese Communist Party to subvert our most powerful and influential institutions in the United States to be able to subvert our nation and weaken it. And then within the government, obviously, the Department of Defense is the most consequential and powerful, influential institution. And then if you look at the entire industry or entire country, then you're looking at big media, big tech, and then big pharma, as well as uh, big sports right so i think dod is just a a larger play of this ideological subversion to weaken those institutions and one mechanism of doing that is to create uh not warriors but facilitate this uh this department that promotes the i i don't know how to say it other than the the mutilation of the mind and the body to weaken it to a level where we will not be able to now fight and win our nation's wars, and by extension, be able to defend the Constitution from our enemies foreign. And now we're at a point where I'm concerned we're not able to deflect and defend against our enemies domestic that are completely ruining our constitutional norms and principles.
1: Let me let me see if I understand what you're saying with the Chinese subversion. Are you saying kind of like just with the civilian population we're seeing on TikTok, and not just the security and privacy issues, but the fact that they put out these goofy – bizarre just videos and chants and then they get american kids to start mimicking it and be a bunch of correct i.e bot weirdos so you're saying a lot of the cultural subversion of the
0: military you think came from china so i argue that that's the case because if you if you remember back in i think it was 1982 yuri bezmanoff if you've heard of that essential uh he was a kgb defector that explained when he defected to Canada and was on a news program, and it's been out there on the different channels, of how the KGB used its influence to be able to deconstruct through its institutions, the United States. I argued that the KGB model was then taught to the Chinese Communist Party and amplified by their increased capability over the last few years to do exactly what the Soviets tried to do to us in the 60s uh, and during that cultural revolution when the... Uh, communism was spreading through the Western Hemisphere that you know the lessons learned from that were then taught to the Chinese Communist Party to then now apply not only to the US but the entire Western world and it's being done through different mechanisms through all these different institutions if you recall which institution in our entire United States was the one that was first forced into these EUA cons- to consume EUA products it was the military so I think it's a and again I have, you know, there's evidence to support it. I haven't heard of any evidence that is inconsistent with it. I'm happy to hear it. But my hypothesis is that this is solely and squarely a deliberate and systematic deconstruction of our Department of Defense by the Chinese, and they're being helped and facilitated by what I argue is the Chinese Communist Party's ambassador to the United United States currently squatting in our White House. Uh, by the name of Joseph Robinette Gieden, is how I would pronounce it at this point. And this is based on all of the evidence from the Hunter Biden laptop, the Marco Polo USA report that came out listing the 469 crimes by the Biden criminal family syndicate. Now with these new revelations of the uh, classified material found in two locations that are affiliated with the Bidens, and then who funded these institutes, Uh, all roads lead to China, and unfortunately they have captured what some consider, I think most of the country doesn't consider, but some of the country still considers as the commander in chief. So, you know, the
1: Heritage Foundation is out today with a poll of active duty service members 69% say they witness politicization, 68% say it would impact their view of encouraging their own children to join and 70% say Mm -hmm. that um, focus on climate change and reduction of physical standards has harmed trust. So my question to you is this, I used to view the military like, you know, kind of the image would be someone like, like Colonel Chambers, like, man, that was the Gulf War era, Um, you know, the the pinnacle of the military that we all grew up with and love the Schwarzkopf era, Mm -hmm. who the heck is joining the military today?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a great question because this, this cultural shift does not align with what a majority of the folks that would send their kids into the military, uh, they're not going to subscribe to that. So your, your warriors, if you will, those that are, are wanting to actually get into the fight to push back against tyranny uh, uh, you know, overseas on behalf of the country, those parents are not going to want to send their children, boys, girls, right, that know what a boy is and that know what a girl is and... Can define it for you, unlike a Supreme Court justice supposedly now can't. Uh, those families do not want to send their kids and cho- you know, children over to serve a, a, or an organization that essentially focuses all of its time on distractions such as, hey, you have to believe and agree with someone that doesn't know what a boy or a girl is. And in fact, they want to mutilate themselves. And if you consider that abnormal, then we're going to punish you for it. Well, guess what? That cultural boomerang and shift needs to go back. We need to reset that. And you were asking me earlier, how do we fix this? We fix this by the House as the body within our constitutional construct to go ahead and for the next fiscal year, literally block any funding to to uh, uh, training or education, or paying and supporting for these uh, mutilation, promotion, I guess, uh, tools that are in place. And instead, if they want to fund things, they can divert that and have what's known as constitutional training, right? Going back to the fundamentals and basics and essentially create consequences for those within the system that uh, destroyed from within our uh, our military. And and I'll kind of add one more layer to this. Is that they need to go back and see which leaders, quote unquote, decided to force the EUA product. Again, that, that order as written by the Secretary the Acting Secretary of Defense Austin was lawful in my opinion. The way it was implemented is that there was no FDA approved product to then force on the force. And so anybody that implemented enforced it coerced where there was an injury or anything. Those individuals need to be court-martialed for violating the Constitution, the legal principles set forth. They need to be uh, removed from the military, and those that held the line and pushed back and made sure that the Constitution, or at least made attempts to do so, to push back against this unlawful activity, oh, I don't know, a, for example, Lieutenant Colonel Long, a, uh, Teresa Long, the uh, Mark Bashaw, lieutenant, there's many, there's thousands within the force that did not want to comply with this unconstitutional behavior, they need to be frocked either one to two ranks yes. up from what they currently are because they exhibited leadership at a time when there was this massive psychological war and pressure, both internally and externally to the United States, to try to force them into bending on their legal, moral, and ethical principles. And they did not bend one single inch on their knee. And they need to be rewarded for it. And those that did bend fully and complied, they need to be removed. That cancer needs to be wholeheartedly removed out of our department. So
1: you're saying that we can make the COVID fascist era almost work to our advantage in the sense that we always knew. I mean, again, like we're saying, we've known this for about a generation, that the leadership of the military, the generals were just horribly politicized, um, bunch of leftists more political than the politicians. And we knew we had to make the surgery, but now we actually have a list of people that we could determine who would oh, be yeah. leaders. Cause for the
0: very reason they didn't <laughs> want them in the military, they created their list. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to add is absolutely there. I've never seen, I had never seen in my 25 year career, the in cadence push for everybody rowing in one direction to force people into the shots. I had never seen that unity of effort and we have a list of right they they created their own list who's who who got the clot shot and who didn't so we're going to use that list to our advantage to see who violated the constitution and who did not violate the constitution legal moral and ethical principles of our foundational documents and we're going to flip the script i mean this is going to be boomerang to a level never before seen in our country it's a reset autocorrect of what happened And we're going to be able to see who is a leader that gets promoted and who gets not only demoted, court-martialed, but they're going to be facing even further consequences for any subordinates that uh, had an adverse uh, reaction, whether it be from a face toilet, from the tests, or from the clot shots. And that needs to be laid and rested with the leader and commander that tried to get their quote-unquote vaccine status to 100%. They're going to be the ones responsible for any downstream adverse events and death caused by those policies that they promulgated. I want to Boomerang, I baby.
1: Want to I mean, I'm down for that, assuming I mean, look, assuming we can get Republicans on board with that. The first step is obviously to reinstate all of the people who were kicked out. I don't know. I mean, heck, would you want to rejoin at this point? I mean, that's that's the question, how bad this cancer is. Oh, um,
0: when we implement what I just recommended, I would be more than happy to join. And, and the other component of it would be the new house needs to declare with the Mike Gallagher heading up the CCP committee. Uh, there needs to be a declaration of war of what just occurred. Right. And so if that occurs, I, I'd be happy to same day when that resolution is passed. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm Actually, you know what? Not worth talking about. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to do two a day workouts so that I can be ready and prepared uh, to get after it should that time I come. I want to
1: play a little game theory here. I'm trying to figure out typically the left wants to populate any institution with their folks, and it's understandable they'll inf- infiltrate all the other areas of government. But what I was trying to figure out is how does that work with the military? So I understand that they're perfectly doing they're kind of doing the opposite of what DeSantis is doing. DeSantis in Florida is trying to basically chase the communists out of the state, make it unhospitable for them. And that you know that that's the goal. So they're making the military unhospitable for conservatives, for Christians, for uh, you know, deep thinking Mm -hmm. people, uh independent thinking people. Yeah, critical. I totally get that.
0: Instead they put in the leadership those but that that's are my mentally question. unstable who, who are they going to get? Wouldn't even pass one of the adjudicative guidelines to be, you know, get a clearance. There's one undersecretary of defense that uh, I mean, they're a, uh, they're a self mutilator, right? They fall into that but category. But where do they find these well, people?
1: What? My question is like the the yellow haired hippie people li- living in Portland, Oregon. Their kids aren't going to join the military.
0: Well, when, you're, when the Chinese Communist Party's ambassador, like I'm saying, is the one that's heading up this executive branch and doing their bidding to internally destroy the nation, they find people like this to do that. I, I want you to find arguments against what I'm saying to say that, oh, I'm a tinfoil hat or I'm this and that. There's, how about we find evidence that's counter to it? There isn't because the House Comer came out with his report. The whole—I mean—they came out with a report several weeks ago, back in December. The Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, there's so much reporting out there, and it's not—it's all been proven to be true. The 60 intelligence, former intelligence officers, primarily from the CIA, the 51 named and the nine unnamed—I'd like to know their names too—are the ones that basically provided cover for this Chinese Communist Party takeover. I argue, via their Jaden in the White House. I mean, this is a whole complex system and network that has uh, been created in order to do the what publicly they say it's a managed uh, decline of America. No, it's a, div- a systematic and deliberate destruction of our institutions that we need to push back on. And it's on you and me to educate those member of, members of Congress that are not part of the Freedom Caucus to let them know we were right all along. We're not going to forgive you but you can start to make amends by start getting after it and joining us and fighting back against this. And I,
1: and I know you're very involved in trying to bring some of those mainstream committee chairmen into the foray. And somehow you've been successful in getting them their ear. So we're definitely going to be looking for some of that success in the future. But we talk about the culture of the military. Yeah,
0: so the key, the key here is, is the House Armed Services, the House Permit Select Committee on Intelligence, uh, the new CCP committee by Gallagher we mentioned, and then also this the Judiciary to get accurate with the FBI, the FISA court, and then this new, what I call it, the, the deep state body check committee that's going to be subordinate to the judiciary. It sounds like uh, uh, Jim Jordan's going to also be heading that. And then Tom Massey, I believe, is also going to be on that committee. But you said culture. No, so, so I, I, I was I just sure saying we, we
1: covered the cultural aspect, but to me, there's another half. The Wall Street Journal. Um, came out with an op-ed earlier this week blasting us, as they always do, saying these guys are going to cut the military, and we agree there's the woke problems, and we need to go after that, but that's not going to you know, deal with the budgetary issue. But but my question to you is, isn't there another half which is the strategic vision of the military? So let's say we get rid of the woke stuff, but there's another problem with the military. What exactly we've been doing with it the past generation. You're You're in special forces, and... You know, typically it's put out in the public that special forces or special operators are operating in over 100 countries. Um, I'm just looking right now at the Military Times, and they have an article out, and we're sending mm-hmm. weapons to the Somali National Army, um, you know, to fight Al Shabaab. I mean, don't we need to first do some sort of audit of? Where do we need military yes. hardware and projection of force and where do we not? And then I think the budgetary issues would take care of itself. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, at a big lit level, like let's go strategic, operational and tactical in that sequence of how we need to focus our efforts as a, as a nation. So everything should stem from the Constitution, our base rule you know rule document. And that essentially states for the federal government's responsibility is to – Uh, You know, provide for the common defense. And so from that, providing for the common defense, a Department of Defense is created. And what is their obligation? You take an oath, you swore to defend the Constitution from enemies, foreign and domestic. Well, then you determine who your enemies are, foreign and domestic. Once that's defined, then you create a capability, right, using the methodology of what is your ends, Uh, what ways are you going to implement those ends, and then the means you're going to apply to it, meaning the financial budgetary resource component to it. So what is the end state to defend the nation? Well, who are our threats? I mean, they've been defined pretty well, I think. Number one, the Chinese Communist Party. Number two is Russia. And number three is Iran. And then a distant fourth would be like a North Korea, because solely because of their nuclear capability. And obviously there are others. But bottom line, those would be our, our foreign components. And then in terms of domestic, I would say that those that are trying to deconstruct our constitutional norms and principles, well, uh, we can talk about that maybe later. But in terms of the foreign components, well, what capability do we need to repel, or, uh, repel against when it comes to China? Well, what has China been doing the last several years? How about we have a capability to see into what China has been doing? And that's probably not very... Uh, Effective or, or that capability is probably, I wouldn't say non existent, but weaker than it should be considering the rise of China. Instead, what are we bombarded with? Russia, Russia, Russia. And as of yesterday, under the Twitter files, that was clearly a complete false hoax. Our executive branch institutions yep. uh, worked with big tech to basically create this entire lie that you and I have known about for six years, but. Much of the lemmings in America are just now waking up to it to include some of these rhinos that bought into it because they're not as critical thinkers or just kind of ignored it or just consumed faux news their And entire you time. mentioned
1: Russia is a number two threat, but I think you'd agree that part of that is it's really goes back to China because we've done all these provocations in 2014 under Biden when he headed the Ukraine desk and they had the CIA coup. And I was
0: at the Ukraine crisis team in the National Military Command Center wow. at that time. So, yes, so you're very I'm familiar very with this. So my point is,
1: it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> if you piss off Russia like that, well, now we put more money against them than we did the Taliban. So yeah, I mean, then they're going to now drive it. They're going to drive into the hands of China and work against us. But I think, you know, in retrospect, diplomacy could have, strategic thinking and diplomacy could have, driven the wedge between China and Russia um, rather than now. Yeah, we now obviously they're going to be an enemy of ours after what we're doing. But I, I, I want to put a finer point on this. When you say define our foreign enemies, well, here's the problem. Traditionally, what the neocons have done, and I thought like this when I was younger too, well, you look around the world, who is evil and who hates us? Well, it's a lot of people and it's a lot of entities in a lot of different countries. But how do you better determine What is a strategic threat that requires a tremendous amount of money for military hardware and a permanent deployment of a force or ability to deploy a force? Right, right.
0: So, I mean, it comes down to two components, the adversary's capability and intent. So let's start with Russia. Russia has maybe not – I mean, obviously, they don't have capability when we look at it through the prisms of the elements of national power, meaning they're reached diplomatically. Information, military, and economically. So there's really only one component within Russia that has a capability, and that would be military nuclear, right? Everything else is pretty much a. It's not a threat to the United States in any of those components. Uh, maybe diplomatic, you could argue, because they have a seat on the UN Security Council for a permanent member of the Security Council. But still, the capability is not there. Now, when you look at the intent component, you know when you anger someone and they're willing to basically put everything on the line, and you're not, now you're starting to match up intent, increasing that to a level where with the capability, it becomes a threat to you. Now, when you look at China, the capability is massive, and the intent is massive. Not in the kinetic sense, but they have a lot of capability in terms of what? AI. They have $1.4 sensors within their own country with zero privacy laws to be able to consume big data to then be able to build big you know the big data and ai to then use and leverage against any of their adversaries what are we doing in that particular space economically they're about to surpass us right in terms of gdp so you have to look at it from that perspective and then create capabilities that can counter that your traditional tanks that cost billions of dollars right you Joint strike fighters that are costing billions of dollars, you know, over budget and, and beyond uh, what they were supposed to be deployed as, those are not providing security to our country. You need to create different systems, i.e. Uh, in the digital ecosystem, to push back. And you talked about TikTok. There needs to be a complete ban on any, um, whether it's an operating system, a search engine or any of those other uh, things where the data that is being interacted with then goes back to China. I mean, are we looking at if those Google search engines that are sitting on every single uh, uh, government employee's desktop, when they do a search and there's an IP address and everything else, what's to say that Google is not selling that back to China so that they know exactly what each person and government employee and, institution is doing uh, to, to uh, you know, do their job, and then they can use that to be able to counter it. Uh, I argue that we need, you know, the, the government needs to have their own search engine instead of using a commercial one so that there's no counterintelligence risk to it. But unfortunately, uh, who's sitting on the AI, what is it, the Artificial Intelligence Task Force Board, or was, it used to be the former chair of Google. <laughs> with the Defense so, Information so
1: Board, I believe. I, 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 so, we're running out of time, and I know you actually have to go to a meeting. I, I wa- a lot, so we're going to have to do a part two to this, but I want to end with one final point. Based on what you're saying, I've long believed that China is more of an asymmetric warfare. It's, it's their ability to engage in trade theft, counterintelligence, uh, permeate every one yes, of our yes. public and private institutions, heck, our government.
0: And I will say this. My last assignment in the reserves before I retired on August 30th I spent three years uh, basically looking at companies in Silicon Valley that dealt in the artificial intelligence mixed reality space that were interested in selling their capability into the Army and the national security ecosystem. So it's not like I'm completely a zero in this topic right? so so
1: that's what I'm saying this is the this is the lead issue when you're talking about countering China it's the asymmetric warfare heck it's their three hundred sixty thousand a year you know foreign students we let in for reasons only Allah knows uh and and all this stuff the way mm-hmm. they subvert us I totally get that and that's the lead but my question to you is with that said we all believe you do need a kinetic force. what are the sorts of Hardware that you think are the most important is within the navy, the air force. What are the most important, um, you know, more traditional kinetic forces that you think we need to spend money on to deter China?
0: Well, <laughs> I would say, I would argue still that the most important thing is the battle for the minds and the culture. Mm. Uh, that is first and foremost because if we if we win on that front, there's really no reason to go ahead, there won't be. The cap- the ability for the threat to be able to actually come in because if everybody's on this uh, understands the enemy and the threat and they're willing to respond to it, we have enough people here in the country with the Second Amendment that will not allow for a foreign adversary to really even penetrate our country, and that's that's probably uh, the best answer I can give on that one in terms of. Kinetic capability, Uh, it comes down to, you know, you have your drones. You you have a lot of AI tools that are now can be in place that will lower our budgetary requirements that can have even more of a kinetic impact uh, than we currently have. If we basically stop a lot of these programs from continuing perpetually and instead uh, invest in newer technology that has more impact. And again, drones, uh, I mean, we have upgrades to our triad systems that can be made with, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just end it there because I also have to, have to bounce because I have another meeting. You got
1: a meeting there and keep doing your good work, making it clear that being a defense hawk doesn't mean supporting the current broke military. We got to do the surgery and you yep. are performing that as our surgeon. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to having you back again.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that.
1: Uh-huh. So again folks, that was Lieutenant Colonel Ivan Rakelin, another critical thinker basically forced out of the military and this is why going back to what we started off with today, it is so so critical that we focus on what it is we would affirmatively do. State federal, if you think it's broken, it's not fixable, and I really wonder if the military is fixable. Um then, then you need to push national divorce, but stop lying to us that somehow this tit-for-tat politics this, the Democrats that, it's going to help. It's not. It's not, and we need to focus on what actually matters. We need to have our own affirmative agenda. And this also just underscores the importance of the medical freedom issue, the biomedical security state, transhumanism experimentation on human beings this is the biggest life liberty issue this was the issue in the military the military is at the forefront of this and i'll tell you it's still shocking to me that this is not even issue number 10 you know we haven't we spent less time on it the last two weeks but i've still been putting out articles tweeting about it you can find me on arm conservative Every day this earth-shattering information comes out about these shots. We should be at the point where anyone involved in the shots is stands before a Nuremberg trial. And yet, Republicans aren't even talking about demanding it be taken off the market. And they're coming down with more of this. I'm sick of this notion. Daniel, COVID's over. I'm not so into that. That's what I'm hearing from a lot of legislators. I have a whole list of things that need to be done, and no, no one wants to touch it. We have a lot of work cut out for ourselves. It's very shocking that people refuse to work on this. Died suddenly is kind of a big issue. The millions of people killed and injured from this, and they're continuing with this, and they, this is a new paradigm. Those of you who don't want to hear about COVID, I understand, I don't want to hear about it either. It's not over with. And, and let me share with you two articles that underscore the urgency of this issue. This is from the Daily Caller. The Pentagon unveils plan to supercharge U.S. troops' resistance to diseases' biological weapons. And again, all this is going to sound great. We don't want people to get sick. But this is the type of, of stuff that the military is dabbling with. DoD launched a new strategy aimed at making those who serve in the armed forces impervious to every conceivable chemical or biological threat whenever you read that that means that they're creating the chemical and biological threats Um, they're developing for individual preventative measures of cures for each known chemical or biological agent DOD's chemical and biological defense program will focus on finding ways to engineer service members immune systems engineer their immune systems and with catch all vaccines therapeutics and equipment that can handle a seemingly endless landscape of chemical and biological threats again like you know before i knew anything about this a few years ago i would read those oh that's that's a nice idea and now I'm like oh you mean you're going to create an endless litany of pathogens and vaccines which act like pathogens to destroy people's immune system like you just did We now have an example in front of us that killed millions of people. Every day more info comes out. In December, that earth-shattering German study came out that showed that it forces people to produce an inordinate amount of IgG4, which are tolerating, not neutralizing antibodies. So in other words, they help enhance the infection. Today, um, Igor Chudov has a great substack on another German paper came out that found similar results with IgG4, except the first one seemed to only discover it with those that had three doses. This found it even with two doses. We may be entering a renewed era where nation-state threats will reemerge. Gerald Parker, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of CBDBP, uh, an Associate Dean of College of Veterinary Medicine, at Texas A&M University, told Daily Caller News Foundation. So they plan on to, to leverage existing relationships with pharmaceutical companies to fast-track development of immunization technologies. This sounds hyper-technical and like, oh, I'm, I'm a politician, I don't know about this, I'll leave this for the scientists. How do you say that from the past three years, everything you experienced? The transhumanism, the destruction of the immune system. The vaccines. This is crazy. One threat of prevention DOD is developing looks to modulate the immune system through six different metabolic pathways. I mean, this is nuts. The strategy mimics how former President Trump's Operation Warp Speed provided funding and eased eased regulatory requirements to hasten discovery of a COVID-19 vaccine. In response, prepared in his posture, we need to invest in unique medical infrastructure designed to rapidly produce new vaccines and drugs and leverage existing medical infrastructure by adapting them to target new agents quickly, Kevin Wingard, CBPD's medical director, said. Folks, it's these agencies we need to look at even more than HHS, CBPD within DOD, DARPA, Defense Threat Reduction Agency, The entire defense health agency. What are they up to? This is a very important thing. See, typically we were for less regulation. And I'm still for less regulation. But the problem is if you have a structure where the Nuremberg Code has been breached. Where any agent they come out with will be mandated on the military. Any questions will be censored. They're absolved of all liability that any product that doesn't go in your body and is much less dangerous and consequential has to be on the hook for. And they subsidize, buy, fund. That's a problem. I'm for a private company with no government marketing, funding, mandating, anything, and they're subject to liability, trying to say, hey, here, we'll ease some regulations, see if you can innovate. I'm all for that. But if you don't have that in place and you have the exact opposite in place, so an easing of the regulatory structure is literally Joseph Mengele. This is the number one life and liberty issue. And I don't think even the conservatives in Congress fully understand the gravity of this. That after everything we've seen with the shots, we should be, oh my gosh, anything that reeks of this should be banned for 50 years. Instead they're like, "Yeah, we need to, you know, piggyback off the successes of Warp Speed." Like, what? It's like saying we need to piggyback off the successes of of Auschwitz. Like, what what are you saying? Now, connected to that is another story from Wired And, you know, occasionally they have some good stuff. Where is this here? Oh, gosh, is this subscription only? The U.S. just greenlit high-tech alternatives to animal testing. High-tech alternatives to animal testing. Animal testing has long been necessary for a drug to gain approval by the FDA, but it may be on its way out. Now, of course, the paywall comes up on me. So, like everything nowadays is a paywall, so I can't read it. But basically, the gist of it, our buddy Brian sent this to me. The FDA Modernization Act 2.0 signed by President Biden at the end of December. A lot of us miss this. With widespread bipartisan support ends um, a 1938 federal mandate that experimental drugs must be tested on animals before they are used in human clinical trials. While the law doesn't ban animal testing, it allows drug makers to use other methods such as microfluidic chips and miniature tissue models, which use human cells to mimic certain organ functions and structures. And, and, and you put this in conjunction with this immunobridging, you just look at antibody testing. this is cr- this needs to be stopped. Or, if people don't want to get into the business of regulations, then what you must do, and we need to do this anyway, it underscores that the most important things are the repeal of the NCVIA, that's the vaccine um, immunity bill from 1986, and the PrEP Act, which is giving immunity to anything pandemic-related, vaccine, therapeutic, you name it. Liability is everything. Liability is the force multiplier. You take away all of the natural legal and market checks, and you're screwed. I don't understand. This stuff would be insane if we didn't have COVID, but we lived through millions of lives destroyed. And I'll tell you, even friends of mine, in elected positions, they're not into it. Another abortion bill, another gun bill, another tax bill. Anyway, This is is all of humanity on the line. I mean, it would be all of humanity even if they didn't have this stuff in the pipeline and this was like a one-off. But they're making it clear that Operation Warp Speed was a paradigm shift. A paradigm shift. That all of the regulatory safety nets that we relied upon to assume that products are safe are ripped off their hinges, and all the things we know aren't safe, we don't even, they're not experimental, that's not accurate. This technology is no longer experimental. When you screw with the immune system and antibodies, it causes problems. That's definitively proven by now. It's straight up Joseph Mangala, except for the entire globe and the entire country. And Republicans don't want to talk about it. This is the single biggest issue. Those two articles together, and again, it ties back to the military. The military is the lead department in transhumanism, biomedical security, experimentation, vaccination, genocide. It needs to be dealt with. And the red states need to put into place a structure to bar their respective departments of health from supporting in any way these experimental things. This is the point. you got to have informed consent. You can't have it both ways. It's like, Republicans will go to the mat on the legacy issues. We talked about this a lot this week. Guns, taxes, and abortion. You know, I'm looking here. Walton Simpson, he is the... I guess, the Secretary of Agriculture or Agriculture Commissioner, Wilton Simpson, in Florida. Simpson proposes fines on credit card companies tracking Florida gun purchases. You notice how they're willing to interpose and go to the mat for guns, and there's no doubt they will. I actually want the feds to push gun control because I have no doubt the red states will fight it. But they don't fight the biomedical security state. Oh, that's healthcare. No, that's Joseph Mangala. It's like I told you, you know when I tried to push interposition bills like, oh, we already have a bill. Oh, could you send it to me? I take a look at it. and it's just Second Amendment. Not for anything else. They need to be as energetic as they are about guns and abortion, about the biomedical security state. And again, that begins with the military and that's going to require conservatives to slay that idolatry, that anything with the military is untouchable. We need to touch that more than any other department. Absent a major surgery on the military, the military is now the biggest weapon against us, not for us. But this all gets back to the fact that we need to use our respective platforms and spheres of influence to pressure Republicans. I don't know what the Democrats will do. I know they're going to stand up for their prerogatives, so we need to stand up for ours. Let me give you a great example. Emerald Robinson got a hold of a list of Republicans planning to attend Davos, the World Economic Forum um, you know, annual confab there, which has more security than anything else. And it turns out that Senator Risch, a rhino from... Idaho was going to attend, and after he was called out, he announced he's not attending. I mean, it just goes to show you, if the top 50 voices in conservative media would train their focus on Republicans, have an affirmative agenda to make sure that that is the standard and make sure they're they're on it, you'll see a lot of change. That's what last week in the Speaker's fight proved, but it can't just be a one-off. We need to build on that with an affirmative agenda. Now, let me give you an example of a good affirmative agenda. Like, this week they had, oh, don't allow China to buy the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That's too narrow. A broader bill, Bill of the Day, we'll call it, Chip Roy, H.R. 344, it prevents the Chai or any entity under their control from owning or purchasing any land in the U.S. That's the type of bill they should bring up immediately. Do something categorical. So, folks, for now, we're continuing our state focus. By the way, we have a great team being assembled in South Carolina, a Liberty Strike Force team to work with the Freedom Caucus there. If you want to sign up, it's conaction.network. And your names will go to Jim, who's going to be our, our team leader. So thanks, Jim, for stepping up to the plate. Any other red state, you know, we have one in North Dakota. We have one in Iowa doing great, great work. We need more states. We need to get this working. You look at my agenda on biomedical tyranny. I have a list of about, you know, a dozen items, and each one has a bunch of bullet points in it. You enact that, you stop this in its tracks. If we would just pressure Republicans in the states Where we constitute the majority, we could stop the biggest issue of our time in its tracks. And the biggest issue is the umbrella of human experimentation, vaccines, biomedical security, state and surveillance, and transhumanism. And the lead culprit is the military defense intel establishment. That is the biggest thing I can get across to people. And that is the biggest message we need to get through to Republicans. Republicans. This is the single biggest point. Single biggest point. So let me know your comments, questions, concerns. We had another terrific week here. Um, please leave us a five-star rating with a comment on iTunes. It helps us sail ahead of some of these other loser shows that focus on nonsense. Let me know what you think is a top five issue that needs to be covered. And, and I give people like Ivan credit. He's actually getting on the playing field. He, he had to run. He had, you know... We're we're gonna have him on a little bit later. We had to have him on earlier reschedule uh, because he was headed to an important meeting. And I think it's because of his bio. Uh, you know, he's gotten the attention of some of these establishment chairmen, Intel chair, um, oversight and uh, armed services. Hey, let him do his work. That that's the thing. If we can get people with a seat at the table to put forward our ideas, that's the best we can do. So. I don't just bash the rhinos in the GOP establishment every day. I actually try to get on the playing field. So we do both at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. Have an affirmative agenda. Pressure them to get on our plantation. We should not be on theirs. That is the bottom line, and that's just the way it is. Hope you guys have a terrific weekend. Till next week, we'll be back. Same time, same place. God bless you all, and thank you for listening.